John 15. We're talking about the vine. This is still uh, living called out. We are still looking at Jesus' church. We looked at the flock from uh, John chapter 10. Now for the next, I believe, three weeks, we're going to be looking at the vine from John chapter 15. Let's talk about grapevine pruning for just a little bit. Uh, what goes on with grapevine pruning? This is something that John is going to talk about. Uh, Jesus, actually, is going to talk about, John recorded, and how we get pruned. It's not a fun experience. Pruning never is. If we look at some of the ways that, that uh, vine dressers prune, one of the things they do is called pinching. Well, that already sounds painful. You know, if you grew up in church as a kid, you, you know what pinching is uh, because that's what you got when you wiggled or talked or something like that. Well, pinching in grapevine pruning is removing the growing tips in order to slow the growth. Slow growth. Okay. Topping. That's removing one to two feet of new growth in order to save that whole shoot. So your move a lot and leave a little saves the shoot. All right? Thinning. Removal of clusters of fruit, of grapes in this case, encourages more and better quality fruit. So we're taking the thing that we want from that vine and we're, we're getting rid of it. Oh, I guess I know what they're doing. And then cutting. Cutting is removing suckers and that benefits the rest of the plant. Now, if you look at these four, don't look over there, look over here. If you look at these four uh, uh, acts of pruning, what do you notice? You should notice that it, it's removing things that you would think are good, are, are beneficial. Really, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna slow the growth? Well, don't we want grapes in a hurry? Uh, we're going to remove the new growth? Wait, why? why? Why aren't we keeping that new growth? We're, we're going to take the very fruit that we wanted and, and remove it and throw it away because we're going to, the, the, the small, the suckers, the little new shoots, we're going to pinch those off? Well, much of pruning... Uh, includes removing what appears good. But in fact, in removing those things that appear good, the vine is being prepared for the best. God doesn't just want what's good for us, he wants what's best for us. And, and this, those two things aren't always the same. And they certainly aren't necessarily what we think is good for us. The best is not necessarily what we believe would be uh, good for us. So we're going to look at that today as we look at John 15, 1 through 5. Follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will, it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. 
this passage is going to be somewhat counterintuitive to what we would think, especially when we begin to think of pruning as we've just described it here at the beginning. It doesn't go with what we would, what, what we would think. Some of that we can see. Some of you are already thinking, I know, because some of y'all grow roses, and you're already thinking, yeah, if I want the best blooms, I, I clip the suckers from around that bloom, those smaller blooms that are going to pull off the nutrients from that bigger bloom. Some of you are already thinking ahead, and that's good. You're, you're, you're already getting it. Well, let's, let's look at some context here first. Big picture, biblical context. In the Old Testament, Israel is seen as a vine. Israel is the vine in the Old Testament. Okay? Make sure you hear me. Israel is the vine. Isaiah chapter 5, it talks about that in particular and in some other places in Isaiah uh, and other spots. But it goes on to say in Isaiah chapter 5, you were a vine, you were planted, you uh, were expected to produce fruit, but instead they produced worthless grapes, is what Isaiah says about the the vine of Israel. They didn't produce what they were supposed to. Uh, the, the, the fruit that they produced was worthless, and so that vine needed to be replaced. And God replaced the vine of Israel. Now, some would say that the, the vine of Israel was replaced with the church. Uh-uh, no, no, no. Jesus doesn't say the church is the vine. He says, I am the vine. Jesus is the replacement for Israel. Salvation came through from Israel, came through Israel, and prior to Jesus, Israel, we've talked about this a number of times, Israel had a missionary mandate to be a light to their world, and they weren't. That was the useless, the worthless fruit that they produced, the lack of a missionary endeavor among its people. Instead, they built the walls, and they stayed in, and kept God to themselves instead of taking God to the, to the rest of the world. We just got through talking, uh, teaching through Jonah. And he did that very thing. He exemplified the lack of uh, obedience to the missionary mandate perfectly. Go to Nineveh and share with them my grace, God says. And Jonah's response is, I want to keep your grace for myself. That was Israel's uh, great sin in, in the Old Testament. See, we then are called to be something different. Jesus is the replacement vine, and then we, as the church, as the branches, we see that living called out for us is dependent entirely on the sustaining supply of the vine and the constant pruning of the vine dresser. And that's what we see in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 15. So let's start, look at verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus says, uh, and my father is the gardener, or the vineyard keeper or the vine dresser some of your translations may say jesus another one of his and i believe the final of his i am statements where he says i am the bread i am the way i am the truth i'm the life i'm the gate uh, i am the good shepherd i am the vine we get right here the vine is the source of life for the branches i don't you don't have to have a degree in botany to understand that if you snip the branch from the vine and you just set it on a shelf, that, vine will, uh, that branch will do nothing. It'll just sit there and then it will die. It needs to be, it has to be, it must be 
attached to the vine in order to produce, to, in order to be what it is called to be. The vine is the source of life for that branch. Christian, Jesus is your source of life. If you have disconnected yourself from him in any way, you will not function. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, not just from this morning, but I'm getting ahead of next week. But let me tell you now, because we can never hear it too much, that if we disconnect, if we attempt to live the Christian life without our devotion to Christ, without our uh, constant relationship to Christ, it will not work. The vine is our source, and it is our only source. Church, as wonderful as it is, as, as required as it is, as much as iron sharpens iron, as much as I pray that you get something from the message every Sunday as I present God's word to you, you internalize it, and that in some way encourages and grows your relationship with Christ. Church is still not where you get what you need. Jesus is. This is a great place to come to, to be a part of that. And don't say, well, I can find Jesus anywhere. Yeah, you can, but show me where the Bible says just go anywhere to find Jesus and, and says it's okay if you skip church. Well, you're not going to find it. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's going to tell you the opposite. So you come here to be a part, but even here, this is not it, your relationship with Jesus. This is not the vine. We are all branches, and we connect to the vine to find our source. I am the vine. I am the true vine, Jesus says, as opposed to the one I'm replacing, as opposed, as opposed to Israel that did not produce the fruit that it should have. Now I am the true vine. I am the replacement. I am the one that God has sent, the father, the gardener, the vineyard keeper, the vine dresser. The vineyard keeper makes all the decisions about the vine and the branches and the fruit. The vine, as Jesus said over and over and over, doesn't do anything apart from the vine dresser. I and my father are one, he says. Whatever, I only do what I see the father doing. So the vine was fully dependent on the vineyard keeper, on the vine dresser, on the gardener, on God. How much more so then are we as branches that cannot survive without the vine dependent on the vineyard owner? If the vine doesn't even think he makes his own decisions, why do we think we should make our own decisions as branches? Oh, we shouldn't, just in case you didn't follow that logic there. We aren't to make our own decisions. We are completely dependent on the gardener for everything. Do I grow this direction? Ain't up to me. That's up to God. Do I produce this fruit? It's not up to me. That's up to God. What am I supposed to do in this situation? Not up to me. That is up to God. So already, just in verse 1, we see the complete helplessness of the branches. Another word for these branches, we think of, I think of branches, if, if we have a good visual of the vine, then we might get the idea of what branches are. But when I just think of branches, what do I think of? I think of oak trees and, you know, big, sturdy branches. No, 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 no. Um, tendrils is what this would be. These are those little, the little pieces of the vine that start growing out, and they're green, and they're, they're, they're flimsy, and they're, they're, they're weak, that's the, the image that we're actually getting here. We are helpless without the vine and without the vine dresser. 
But Jesus keeps going. Yeah, I'm the vine. Father's the gardener. You then, branches, you, every branch uh, in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. Who's he? The vine dresser, the one in charge, the one that gets to choose, not us. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Well, one of the first things we see here is that you can be connected to the vine, but not a part of the vine. It's an interesting concept. Interesting. You mean there can be people connected to the vine? Sure, there can be people connected to the vine through the church, but aren't really a part of the church. They may be members, they may have come here a long time, but they're not a part of the church because they've never trusted Christ. They're connected, but they're not his. We see it most clearly, I believe, in Judas. Judas is not here now. Uh, Judas actually has already left. This is taking place, this conversation is either taking place in the upper room or as they walk through town on the way to uh, the Mount of Olives, to uh, Gethsemane, where Jesus will pray. Judas has already gone and set in motion what will happen in just a few hours. Judas isn't around. He was connected to Jesus, but he was not a part of Jesus. That branch was not producing good fruit, and we'll read later on that it has been thrown, discarded, uh, gotten rid of, removed. We can see it again. Uh, John continues this thought in his first epistle, 1 John 2.19. He talks about some people in the church. He said, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. They, they, they were connected, but they weren't a part. He said, "For the, if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. So Jesus is saying, it can appear that you are part of what I'm doing, but you're not. And, and those people will be cut off eventually. They will be removed. They will be taken away. If you are fruitless, branch, tendril, uh, Christian, you can be removed. You can be cut off. God is patient. The, 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 prune, the, the vine dresser will prune, as we're going to talk to uh, talk about it here in just a couple of minutes, but if with all the pruning, if with all the, the redirection, if with all the discipline, you do not come around, you do not produce fruit, he has the prerogative, he has the ability to cut you off, to remove you. Know that that is a possibility. God regularly cuts dead branches out of his church. Regularly does that. And we see it over and over and over. Our prayer is that we are not a dead branch that is not producing fruit or that is, has become a conduit of disease into the, 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 the other branches into the church. Pruning is about making, uh, that, that, that's removing. That's, that's the health of the church. That's the health of the body, taking out dead branches. Pruning is also about the health of the branches, but pruning is about making, can be about making good branches better. Pruning can be about making bad branches good as well. You can prune a vine that you just think is not going anywhere. There, there are people like this with, with green thumbs that can take a plant that you just know is a goner, 
and, and they, nope, you do this and this and these three things, and, and, and you love it back, and you prune it, and you, you make this, and ha- this happens, and, and look, it's coming back. Somebody actually needs to do that for me with a plant that's in my office right now. Uh, I, I've got, I, I, it, it's, it's, it was rough. I was gone on vacation. It didn't get watered for a week and a half, two weeks, and uh, I, it's, it's, it, it is holding on, but barely. I cut all the leaves off last week. I don't know if that was the right thing to do or not, but, you know, it's already half dead, so whatever. But, but somebody, you know, it's, there's probably somebody out there that could tell me, oh, you need to do these things, and you can prune it, and it looks bad. It looks ugly right now, but I'm, I'm thinking maybe eventually it's going to come back, and, and it'll be better than it was uh, because we pruned it. So that you can make a bad thing good by pruning, but pruning most often is about making something good better. Understand, though, pruning is painful. Pruning hurts. It doesn't hurt the, the branch. The, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't, you know, the, 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 the grapevine's not crying, oh, help me out. You know, it's not, I'm not talking about that kind of painful, but as a branch for us, as God prunes us and pinches things off and thins and cuts and, and uh, removes and tops that hurts. And what hurts the most, I think, if we go back and look at the pruning, is that pruning can happen in good times. Pruning can happen to you when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're trucking along. Everything's going great. Your relationship with God is good. You're praying. You're reading your Bible. You're witnessing. You're just Everything is wonderful. And then God trims tops, cuts, pinches, and you're thinking, what? Uh, I was, why? Because pruning is not about doing good, about being good, about being better, about the best for us. Discipline isn't just about correction. We have this idea that it is. If I am disciplined, then I did something wrong. I'm being punished. Discipline isn't just about correction. It's also about molding and training. So when I'm trucking along and, and I'm growing, and I think I'm growing well, and God pinches back and says, we need to grow slower. But God, I want to be closer to you. I, I know you do, but we need to do this more slowly. Hold on. Spend some time. Stop. Spend some time with me. Let's, let's not just grow bigger, but let's, let's go deeper. He pinches back. We, we have all this great growth, we think, but, but it's wild growth. We, we, are, we are uncontained. We, we have these, you know, oh, my relationship's wonderful, and I just want to worship God, but we have very, very shallow roots, so God tops us. He removes that one to two feet in order to save the shoot at the bottom and says, hold on, I've got to take some of this away from you right now so that you're dependent more on me, that that we can get a a sturdier branch to bear the fruit that I've got planned for you, which, you know, God may do later on when he thins and says, but God, I was producing fruit. Why did you stop me? Because you can produce better fruit. 
you can produce a higher quality fruit. You can produce more fruit. If I take this from you now, trust me, it will be for your good down the road. Isn't that the promise? That everything happens for the good according to his purposes, or for those who love him according to his purposes? If that is our promise, then when God takes the fruit, when God thins the fruit, it's for our good. And then cutting, removing those suckers in our lives, things that, that are good things we think, but they're, they're sucking the energy out of us. And God says, I'm going to take those away so you can focus on the one or two things you need to do. But God, I, I've got all this other stuff. And he says, no, you, you have what I tell you. You have discipline isn't just about correction. It's God molding and training. Pruning can take away good things. Pruning can take away good things in your life. He can take away people. He can take away friendships. He can take away abilities. He can take away gifts. He can take away finances. He can take away whatever he wants in order to mold you and train you and get the best from you and not just good from you. Jesus does that in the church as well. Or rather, God does. The vine dresser does. We, we, we see over and over in a church, why did, why did they leave? Why did they go? Well, if, if we are following God's will and the person that left is following God's will, then that is just God pruning, taking away what is good so that there can be something better. We miss it, it hurts, it's painful, but it will happen. It will happen over and over and over. I mean, we're going to see this in the life of our church right now. Today, next week, three months from now, six months from now, y'all still have a new preacher. I know it seems like I've been here forever sometimes, but about seven months is all it's been. I'm still new. And some of you are still, verdict's still out on what y'all think. Some of you, I pulled the wool over your eyes. You, you think I'm wonderful. I'm going I'm I'm to keep cultivating that one. Some have said, you know what? No, this ain't for me. God is pruning. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It will continue to happen. God will continue to pinch and to cut and to, to top until he has the, the, the branches that he wants. Think of, of this, this continual vine, one vine, just one, and it stretches as far as your imagination can stretch. And attached to the, that vine along the way, you, you, you come along and there's, there's a big bunch of branches, all huge fruit, and it's just beautiful and great and wonderful. You continue to move down that vine, and then you get to some, some small branches. And, and, and the fruit is less, there, there's, there's less of it, but it's still good quality stuff. And maybe you move further down, and then there's some branches that it's just pitiful. How is that even still connected to the vine? The branches look weak and haggard and dead and the fruit if there's any it's not worth having and then you 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 as you move you see everything in between clumps of branches here and there some huge some small good fruit bad fruit those are our churches because we are a clump of branches all connected to the same vine and so jesus or, or rather god in his sovereignty comes down and visits our church and says snip snip pinch snip pull take some throw some 
but it's all to make that bunch of branches produce the fruit that he has called us to. It won't be pretty. It'll be painful. But that's pruning. That's discipline. That's God doing something great. He tells the disciples, all right, you're going to be, I'm going to cut off the ones that, uh, that aren't producing. I'm going to prune the ones that do produce so that they'll do even better. Verse 3, you, my disciples, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Cleaning here is, is the trimming of that which is not necessary. Jesus has been with the disciples now for three years. He has been constantly pruning and clipping and topping. And it has come to the time when he has removed the dead branch that isn't producing fruit. Judas is gone. And he's got the 11 that are left. And he has spent three years pruning them. You don't think that was a pruning when Peter said, they'll never, they'll, they'll never kill you. I'll stand up to them. I'll get thee behind me, Satan. You don't think that was a prune? You don't think that, was, that wasn't a topping? He lost his, I, I'm surprised he still stuck to the vine at all with that one. He, Jesus snipped him down to the nub with that one. You don't think it was a prune when James and John are arguing about who's the greatest and who's going to get to sit at the right hand and who's going to sit at the left hand, and Jesus tells them, if you want to be great, be the least. If you want to, if you want to uh, be the highest, be, be the lowest. You don't think that was a prune? He spent three years doing that. Look at all the questions they had. Jesus, wait, what are you talking about? And Jesus explains it again. Jesus, you said this, and Jesus explains it again. Snip, snip, pinch, snip. Until three years later, he tells them, y'all are clean. Y'all are ready. Why? He knew he was leaving. It was the end of the road for him, the end of the earthly road. He had come, he had fulfilled his mission. The church was begun. The 11 were ready to become Actually, about 120 now, within just a few days of the, of the crucifixion. And then thousands and then millions. Jesus had prepared those. The 11 were ready. One was cut off. And what was the pruning tool? You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I got a new Bible not too long ago. Uh, the Connections... Facebook and Twitter, basically. Um, Lifeway just produced a, a new, they used to be the Holman Christian Standard. It's what I've used for a few years. They, they, they updated it, and now it's just the Christian Standard Bible. So I got a nice new one. Uh, it's one of those good preacher Bibles that's really flimsy, so you can hold it open. It doesn't close. Uh, the most incredible thing about it, and what's taken me, well, not most incredible thing, but what's taken me some getting used to, is now this is y'all can't see it and that's okay uh, this is John this is the passage I'm preaching from who's talking here in this passage Jesus yeah that was a, a question you should have answered uh, what color do you see on here not the ribbon black what's different no red letters I, I have not read the forward to this or or why they, they did that. I haven't looked for an expl explanation. I think I know. We've gotten so used to 
the red letters being Jesus' words and everything else being somebody else's. DC Talk even did a song about it 20 years ago. Life in the red letters. Folks, there's life in the black letters too. Because this is Jesus' words. Not these. This. This is spoken by the very mouth of Jesus. He is the word. All of this is Jesus. So, when we say, when he says, you've been cleansed by the word, branches, you people, tendrils, Christians, us, we are cleansed by the word of God. Because it's all Jesus' words. So when we read verse 3, and it says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, we know when we need to be pruned, where do we go? The word of God. When we don't know we need to be pruned, but we're about to be, how do we know? The word of God. Every time we are corrected, it's correction by the word of God. That's why we say there's no new revelation. That's why we say that we can't just add to the Bible. Oh, God told me something. Only if it's already in the word of God. And in that case, he was really just reminding you. He wasn't telling you. But if you have something new to say, don't say it because there's nothing new. The word has been spoken. And we are pruned by the word. The image we have often from uh, the Bible, and the Bible calls itself this, it's, it's a mirror. When I read the word of God, when I read Jesus' words, black or red, old or new, Testament, I'm going to see myself for what I am. And maybe I'll see myself in a good light. I'll look in this mirror and it will be, wow, I'm reflecting what the scripture is saying. But maybe, and actually most of the time, my reflection does not match that which I'm reading. My, my reflection is off. I, I'm not reflecting Scripture. It's a mirror. It still shows me who I am, but it'll either show me how I am matching up to Scripture or how I'm not. That is God cleaning me, trimming, pruning, uh, pinching. And then we see in verse 4 that the branches have responsibility. Now that's interesting. Because you plant your, uh, your, your grapevine out in the yard, the branches don't do anything without the vine. And yet, here in our metaphor, Jesus says the branches have a responsibility. Verse 4, remain in me. Well, there we go. We'll stop right there. Branches, ain't, I, I grew a, uh, a grapevine. I planted one in Nixon about three years ago. It's colossal failure. Um, it grew the third year. First two years were like, beep, beep. third year, pow! I mean, went everywhere. Down the fence, it was beautiful, beautiful vine. Thousands of grapes, about the size of BBs. About as hard. I don't like grapes. I like grape juice, I like grape jelly. I had visions of a cabinet full of grape jelly, never happened. Etta likes grapes. She tried them. The boys tried them. They weren't good. Why? Well, it never got pruned, number one. I never, I never did a thing. I didn't, I didn't put, pinch. I didn't pop. I didn't snip. I didn't, didn't cut. Didn't do anything. It grew like crazy. But what I never saw happen in the three years that that vine grew, I never once 
not once heard a knock on the door and look out and see one of the branches from that vine asking to come in and, you know, be a TV. Those branches had one purpose. They had one thing they did. They weren't going to come off and do something else. Their purpose was to produce grapes. The vine dresser messed them up. Well, here's where Jesus departs from the metaphor and says, you know what, branch? It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to remain attached to the vine. It's your responsibility to remain in Jesus and in God's word. It's your responsibility to come to my word and see what I say. So when your time of pruning comes, you're not shocked. Oh, I didn't even know I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Yeah, I did. Well, I was unaware I should have been doing those things. No, you weren't. Did you listen in church? Did you read his word? Did you go to Bible study? You knew. And the word was where we learned that. We remain in Jesus. That's our responsibility. And it is also our option. You don't have to. You don't have to remain in Jesus. You, you can choose to pull away and suffer the consequences. Suffer the loss. Suffer the, the wilderness wandering that will occur. You'll just be a little vine roaming through the woods looking for, I mean, a little branch roaming through the woods looking for a vine to attach to. People attach to the wrong vines all the time. People attach to the vines of Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or uh, 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 humanism. They, they attach to every vine they think will give them life and then they find that there is no life in that vine. Remaining is an option. Choosing Christ, choosing to be a part of that, uh, that vine is an option. Producing fruit is a willful act. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Do you want to produce fruit? Get attached to Jesus. Are you uh, not witnessing like you should? Get attached to Jesus. Are you suffering with sin in your life? Get attached to Jesus. That is the only way that we will produce fruit that we are called to produce. Attaching ourselves to Jesus. And we've got to choose to do that. There's a commercial on the radio right now. Uh, I don't even remember what it's, what it's selling uh, or what it's advertising. But I, the, the, the questions it asks are things like, when you just let yourself go, like you just let yourself go on the diet. You suddenly find yourself, well, suddenly I was just eating carrots and cauliflower all the time. Didn't even realize it. I just let myself go and that's where I drifted. Or if you're supposed to be exercising. I looked up one day, I was running 11, 12 miles. Didn't even notice because I drifted in my exercise. I, I quit paying attention. I quit being focused. But the point, at some point in that commercial, I guess, is that we never drift toward the good. We drift toward the bad. We drift toward donuts and little Debbies and ice cream and the good stuff, not those nasty things like carrots and cauliflower. We, we, we drift toward the couch. We don't drift toward the track. The only weight we lift is donuts. And, you know, we, well, I'm going to get more exercise. I'm going to eat with my right hand and my left, right? So I'm working both biceps. My right arm's pretty strong now. 
We don't drift that way. We don't do that in our spiritual lives either. We don't drift toward Christ. We always drift away. So, he says, remain in me. Make fruit production a willful act. Now, who is he talking about? I think this question is begged here. Who is he talking about that don't produce fruit? Well, it could be somebody like Judas, the unsaved. Someone who has attached themselves to the vine or attached themselves to the church. And they are a part of the group, but not a part of Jesus. And after a while, and it may just be the day of judgment, may not even be in this lifetime, they're removed because they were never truly converted. They looked like it. They were, they, they were green and tendrily, and, and, and they, they were soft and malleable, and, and, and some of them even produced what might even look like fruit. Wow, look, they're nice people. They're good people. They're, they're polite. They're, they, they hug me. They, 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 but they're not producing fruit born of repentance. They're not producing lasting fruit. And so eventually they will be cut off. Could it be those that are uncommitted? Those who are saved, but are saved, to borrow a phrase, by the skin of their teeth. And we don't use that phrase in the Bible. That sounds bad. Oh, you're not saved by the skin of your teeth. Uh, 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 uh. Paul talks about, in one of the letters to the Corinthians, I believe, about judgment and the judgment of Christians and the judgment being of the Christians' fruit and standing before God and having their works judged. And it says that they are tested by fire. Those works are tested by fire. They bring these works that are wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious jewels, and they are piled up, imagery, piled up and burned, and what's left is gold, silver, and precious jewels. Wood, hay, and stubble is burned up, and it's pretty clear that there will be some people who, when they are judged, when everything is burned up, the only thing that will be left, he says, is the foundation. Jesus Christ, and they are saved as though by fire, by the skin of their teeth. They got the relationship, they got the connection, but their life never produced the fruit that they were called to. And so that at some point, God cut them off, and we see that imagery in that judgment. That's who God's going after. Y'all, when you feel the pinching, the cutting, the topping, the pruning, that is God saying to you, not necessarily you're not good enough or that you're not good at all, but you can be better. But he could be saying you're not good at all. He could be saying, I've got to remove this from your life because you are not producing the fruit you're supposed to and he does look at us individually but we cannot and this is why we started in the Old Testament back in August and have worked our way through the Old Testament into the New Testament and talking about living called out the called out people of God God speaks to us individually but he also parallel simultaneously speaks to us in community in com a community of faith so when he says to us that he will prune us individually. He is also saying, church, I will prune you as well. 
I will cut, I will snip, I will top, I will do whatever I need to do in order to make you what you are supposed to be. The tragedy is the number of churches that close their doors every week in America because they are cut off. Because he prunes and he prunes and he prunes and they never produced fruit. There's another image in, in Revelation that relates to that. Removing the lampstands. God takes his fire away from them. Too many churches no longer have the fire of the Holy Spirit in them. They're going through motions. They're doing things. But there's no fire there. There's no joy there. And I shared just this week something, uh, a devotional that Lee sent to me. It said that the joy, when the joy of church is missing, when the joy is missing in a worship service, when there is no fire, when there is no spirit, it doesn't matter how good the music is, it doesn't matter how good the preaching is, it comes down to, are we seeing the lost saved? That's where the fire is. Are we producing fruit? The ultimate fruit of more people coming to Christ. So the branches in verses 1 through 4, we, we, we've got a charge. We're told to do something. First is to look to our source. We look to Jesus. We trust God to make the decisions he needs to make. Cut, snip, top, whatever he needs to do, we trust him. We look for individuals and the community to be pruned. We must expect it. We should not be surprised. As a matter of fact, we should welcome pruning because that is God making us better. Too often we lament and we mourn, oh, woe is us because I have lost this in my life or this church has lost these people. God is pruning. God is forming and molding and training and making us branches that will produce fruit that we're supposed to produce that is matching the salvation we're called to. We are charged to look at the word that guides us. You want to be cleansed? You want to be a branch that produces what it's supposed to? Go to God's word. Listen to Jesus speak through all the letters, not just the red ones. And then, verse 4, we look with a searching heart. We look at ourselves. We look and decide... Am I, am I remaining? Am I producing? What am I doing? Am I where I need to be? But, folks, we need to look this morning. Someone here needs to look and say, am I even attached to the vine? I'm here. I'm a part of this group. I'm, I'm, I'm connected. But I'm not a part. I am not grafted in. You know, the Bible uses that language, right? We are, we are grafted in to the vine, attached from without. Are you grafted in this morning? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? You call yourself a branch, but are you even a branch? You become a branch of the vine when you ask Christ to save you. You join the vine this morning by understanding that you are a sinner, that, that just like all of us, you have sinned. You 
fall short of God's glory. You are an enemy of God. You are outside of the flock. You are outside of the vine. And you recognize that this morning. You realize that because of your relationship or lack thereof to the vine, that you will be cast away and burned. The wages of sin is death. That is the result of being disconnected from the vine. But we are given the privilege. We are given the hope. We are given the opportunity to come to the vine. That gift of God being eternal life. Connection to Jesus. Are you connected this morning? Again, the metaphor kind of breaks down here, doesn't it? We see branches running around saying, I want to be part of that vine. Well, God has called those branches. God loves those branches. God wants those branches to produce fruit, to connect with him. Because even while those branches were condemned to hell, condemned to their death, condemned to be thrown away, Christ died for those branches. Christ died for you. When you showed no love, had no desire, and had no inkling or inclination to follow him. And all that branch has to do, this morning, all you have to do is call on his name. Trust him as your savior. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. There's something else a branch can't do. You go out in your garden, you're not going to hear branches praying to be a part of the vine. But this morning, you can trust Christ. You can be a part of the vine. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be grafted in and truly a part of that vine. And you know what? Once you're a part of that vine, you may be pruned, but if you're a part of the vine, you can never be fully removed. Oh, your usefulness may be done. God may discipline. God may take you out because of what you're doing. But the foundation, Paul said, the foundation when the stone and the stubble, the, the gold and all that, everything's burned up, the foundation remains. You're his. This morning, maybe you need to be his. Maybe you need to trust him. Maybe you need to be a part of the vine pray with me. God, I thank you that you have presented yourself and said, I, I want you. By grace, you have called us. By grace, you have provided salvation. We don't just get to be a part of the vine because we want to. Lord, you call us. You provide the way. We can't earn it. We can't do it. But Lord, we trust that you can, and we place that faith in you. And I pray this morning that if there's one here who has not trusted you as Savior, that they will make that decision today. And maybe I wasn't clear. God, speak through my lack of clarity to their heart. You draw them. I can't anyway. Lord, you do a mighty work in their lives. Maybe this morning there's somebody here who they need to be pruned. They've been pruned, and they've been resisting the pruning. They know what in their lives they need to do, and they've not yet done it. Lord, I pray that this morning that they would rejoice in the, the, the topping and the, the, the tension, the cutting that you do. And then they would make the decision that they are going to remain in you. They are going to produce fruit. 
God, decisions need to be made all over this room. Every one of us, as we have encountered your word, has a decision to make for you. I pray this morning that we would all make a decision that's in accordance with your calling in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, you need to produce fruit. And how do you do it? We'll respond this morning. Maybe you need to come and tell me, Michael, I want to I trust Christ. And that's, that's your decision today. Come, share that with me. Maybe you need to be baptized. You need to follow in obedience. You've trusted Christ, but, but you've not even taken that first step of obedience. You need to do that. Come, we can set that up. No problem. Maybe you have other decisions you need to make. You want to pray, uh, want me to pray with you. You want to pray with me. Maybe you just want to come to this altar and lift those things up to God. Whatever your decision is this morning, you make it. Maybe you just need to pray, God, prune me however you want to prune me. Whew, that's going to take some faith, y'all. We can get it. We can do it through Christ. So let's stand. Let's sing. Let's do business with God this morning.